Welcome into another edition of Sport Ball with Squam, Stogie, and Skulldog. I'm Sam. With me, as always, are my good friends Seth and Kyle. Guys, how you doing? I thought you were going to introduce him with a different nickname. No, he said he was going to introduce himself. Oh. All right. <laughs> so here with Sam today is Kyle, a.k.a. Stogie Barone, as you all know, and a.k.a. Thicky Rubio. <laughs> I'll give no context. I'll leave it for you to find out. I respect that. Thank you. Any thoughts, Seth? Uh, no. Good. Um... <laughs> So, in this podcast, we want to just talk about some current uh, NFL things that are going on. I wanted to start with the Chiefs-Rams recap. Uh, greatest game of all time, perhaps? Offensively. Honestly, defensively, though, there were some really good plays, too. It's amazing how, in a game where more than 100 points are scored, it was actually a defense that won the game. But, yeah, quite entertaining. I think, actually, the Rams won the game. Really? <laughs> uh, I thought they just gave it to the defense on both sides. Going off that point, I think the biggest takeaway from that is the fact that, one, how the NFL is changing with like the air raid offenses that we saw with the Rams and the Chiefs, and you're seeing in Chicago, which we'll touch on later, but everyone always wanted to have these shutdown defenses, you know, that's how it used to be, but now, really what you need is one or two big playmakers that could just change an entire game. Like Aaron Donald. Um, who we dropped from our fantasy team. Who we dropped from our fantasy <laughs> team. We just gave up after two games without a sack. Um, <laughs> but I, I think it's just, you know, going forward, something that has to be thought about, you know, not trying to shut down every single offensive player that you're playing against, but instead having one or two key guys pay them as much as you can and tell them, make the big plays when we need them. And that's exactly what happened in that game. Aaron Donald was a monstrosity at the line. And what was his name? Had that insane fumble recovery, forced fumble. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was nuts. I think that um, what I've noticed a lot, too, is that teams go for it more on fourth down. Like, if they're not in their own 20, because they know if they give the ball back to the other team, they're just going to score. I mean, you see that when people play the Saints or the Rams or the Chiefs. You see them be a lot more aggressive on offense because they don't want to turn the ball over to the other team. And that's made the game is much more exciting to watch, I think. And I think both <laughs> those points go to what Kyle was saying, or your point goes to what Kyle was saying, that because the offenses are so good and you know you can't stop them, it's kind of pointless to try to just load up on defensive players or all-around defensive team because very rarely will you ever be good enough to really shut down an offense like the Saints or the mm-hmm. Rams or the sure. Chiefs. But if you can get that player who's going to force a fumble, you know, with two minutes to go, that can win you the game um, rather than just trying to hold them to 15 points. Or right, whatever. which doesn't really happen anymore. Yeah, you got to pay for – first of all, you got to pay for the smart coaches, then you got to pay for the offensive weapons and build around them, and then you use the remaining money – to pay your defensive players. So not what the Raiders did then? The opposite. <laughs> First thing you do is you give your coach $100 million who hasn't coached in 15 years. And then you tell him, get rid of our best player. <laughs> get him out of here. I mean, that's basically what we did with our fantasy team. Yep, and we're tanking. We're basically the Oakland Raiders. <laughs> so I want to ask you guys which of these two teams you prefer for a Super Bowl favorite. I mean, it might be a Super Bowl preview, but is there one of these teams that you think is a better team? I mean, I know the Rams won, but... Well, the Rams won, so they're probably better. <laughs> I wow. Think, <laughs> I think the Rams' defense has more has more big-name players like that. Um, I think 
Mahomes obviously is more electric of a player than Jared Goff, uh, but is prone to turnovers as well. Of course, he's young, still improving, more of a all-star caliber player for the future, but Goff is a little bit more solid. I would lean Rams a little bit, but, you know, I know Mahomes over there is is going to be maybe leaning toward the other way. Yeah, so I, I think if you have to think about it, um, Patrick Mahomes has just unbelievable potential. Both He has the best arm in the NFL, and the kid's like 19, 20 years old. I mean, he can make literally any throw. I mean, a couple weeks ago, we saw him, I think it was against Denver. He got flushed out of the pocket, runs, rolls left. He can't get the throw off with his right arm. He used his left arm and completed it and converted a third down. Like, it's there's like not that. many people in the NFL, if any, that could do that or yeah. think about doing that. Plus, you have to worry about him on the ground. Like, he doesn't run as much, I think, as we thought he might. But you also don't have to in that offense. However, Jared Goff might be a better game manager. And, I mean, having the smartest coach in the NFL definitely helps that. Um and one of the things I noticed watching the game uh, on Monday was Jared Goff, like his progression over the last couple of years. Obviously, he, we thought everyone thought he sucked. What was before McVay came in? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But now, when he's missing throws, he's not oversailing any of his receivers. All his misses are low, which prevents the defense from even having an opportunity to intercept those balls. Which going forward is huge. Yeah. I remember thinking back to before McVay showed up and we we're looking at the young quarterbacks in the league and it was like Dak Prescott was way better than everyone and Carson Wentz was like pretty good. And then there's this Jared Goff guy and we're like, oh, what a bust. And now it's like flipped completely. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I feel like Mahomes is like Brett Favre if he was athletic. And maybe he'll... Yeah. Tell me and if he's athletic. <laughs> well... He's athletic in the sense that he was a very good athlete, but not like fast yeah, yeah. and could jump and make people miss in the open field. And and he's so young that maybe he can clean up that interception rate. Real question is who has the better dick picks? Right. Far from Mahomes. That's Can't say I've seen either. <laughs> However. Get out of the box you're living in, in that case. I feel like um so Mahomes is basically a rookie, right? I mean he played one game last year. Have we ever seen a rookie quarterback win the Super Bowl, but like he is the focal point of the team? Because I know Ben, Big Ben did in his rookie season, but that was the defense and uh, Jerome the bus bet is carrying them. But have we ever seen this before? I don't think we have. Well, he's not a rookie quarterback since he played last year. But essentially speaking, upstanding. <laughs> I mean, he was on the team for a full year, you know, just practicing getting on fo- getting better at football. I don't think that's insignificant, but um, I don't know what. How what was Russell Wilson like a thirty-year player in the Seahawks won the Super Bowl? Sounds right. Yeah, I think so. But the crazy thing is, I was telling you, Sam, this the other day is that like Patrick Mahomes is literally the ideal quarterback for an Andy Reid-led offense. Yeah, like Andy Reid. I mean, the guy loves Thanksgiving. You can tell, but it has nothing to do with it. I don't even know why I told you that. <laughs> However, uh, he's somehow one of the smartest, top. I think he's a top three, top 
to possibly coach in the NFL. I honestly think Bill Belichick is starting to fall out of this conversation, which we could talk about after. But just the fact that he finally has a mobile quarterback that doesn't just have to game manage, but you can call a play. Mahomes could read the line, know exactly what to do. And even if that coverage is solid, he has, like I already said, that big playability of throwing with his left hand when he's rolling out left or, you know, juking any any player on the defense and getting a picking up eight to ten yards to get a first down. It's just there's just way too many opportunities on that offense. Especially I didn't really think Sammy Watkins was gonna you know, he kind of was used his last couple of years as a so called decoy when he was when he was a wide receiver because he was with the Rams last year and they didn't really use him at all. Mm-hmm. But now this year we're kind of seeing he is kind of a decoy for Tyreek Hill, but at the same time, he has the ability to make these plays and make these catches, and I think he has like five or six touchdowns, if I'm not mistaken, so far this year, and it's like, that's not something I expected. I expected this offense to be Tyreek Hill, Mahomes, Kareem Hunt, Kelsey, mm-hmm. and Hunt, yeah. and that was it. But having Sammy Watkins opens up a lot, too, and I don't think a lot of people even think about him when they think about the Kansas City offense. Yeah, I think uh, talking about the coaches a little bit, I would still take the Rams with their Chiefs because I trust Sean McVay more. I mean, we've seen Andy Reid make some questionable calls and questionable time management decisions in the playoffs before, and I would just be a little nervous about that, whereas I think Sean McVay is the best coach in football right now. I would give Bill Belichick a little bit of a of a pass if we think he slipped this year because, I mean... <clears throat> 20-year track record, perhaps? Right. And also, if you look at the talent of the Patriots versus the talent of, say, the Chiefs, I mean, you go down the line and they just have far more talented players on offense, whereas the Patriots have a 41-year-old Tom Brady, uh, a Gronk that isn't even, doesn't look like he can even play football anymore, and what, you know, Julian Edelman? So, I would give him a pass there. Don't forget Josh Gordon. Yeah. But, going back to who I would take for the Super Bowl. I do want to say Rams. I do think the sky is the limit for Kansas City. However, just... And as you can see, I just had to look this up. But uh, uh, Well, your in-game podcast yeah, research is on Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I just couldn't think of the, ter- the exact football terminology. However, so Sean McVay leads the league this year, and the Rams do, in using an 11-personnel offense, which is... Don't they always have 11 people on the field? That's not what that means. <laughs> Sometimes they get a penalty. <laughs> so 11-personnel is three wide receivers and a running back. Um, they don't really use a tight end ever. Like, we saw a couple... You know, Gerald Everett went off, I think, for two touchdowns on Monday. But that's only because Cooper Cup's out. So their personnel is kind of changing a little bit now for the rest of the year without having... Cooper Cup to be out there for 99% of the snaps, but so using this 11 personnel offense, literally every play just disguises every play because you don't know at all. You can't predict what he's going to do because if you have the same three wide receivers and the same running back lined up in the same spot every time, you can't say, oh, this is the play they're going to run or this is one of the two or three plays they're going to run because literally their entire playbook comes from that same personnel so it's like it's crazy that other coaches really aren't doing that you know I think we're seeing a trend towards that with Matt Nagy and with Andy Reid now and stuff like that but I just think Sean McVay is the smartest man in football 
He has the best weapons, arguably, but... Uh, well, I, I, I haven't even like, mentioned Todd Gurley yet. It's been I know. Weapons, <laughs> yeah. so. He's pretty good, I've heard. Yeah. I think it's interesting how, in the NFL, it seems that a coach can make such a large difference, which is, I think, a little bit different than the NBA, but, I mean... Like you said, Jared Goff seemed like a bust. You know, they didn't see much talent on this. Even Todd Gurley, you know, wasn't doing that second that year was right. really rough. Yeah. Him, yeah, and then and then McVay comes in replacing the dead corpse of Jeff Fisher, and they're just you instantly. Oh, I guess we have talent on this team. So I think it makes a lot more difference in football. I just don't want to say that the Rams make the Super Bowl because because he predicted it earlier this year because the Bears will <laughs> because. I, I think I'm changing tune, which we'll talk about soon. Yeah, but let's move I think on the Bears to that. Kind of, they have the opportunity to shut them down, but not shut them down, but beat them. Yeah, so let's talk about the Bears Vikings game from uh, last weekend because we have two Bears fans and one Viking fan here. So, um, Kyle, why don't you just, Kyle, why don't you just go ahead and go on your Bears rant that we've all waited for? Mm, my God, <laughs> the 2018 Chicago Bears. Are going to the Super Bowl. Yes, same division or same conference as the Rams, who I just gushed about. <laughs> but do you mean the Bears are all going to get tickets and go to the Super Bowl <laughs> to watch? Or? I mean, I guess that's a good consolation prize if they lose in the NFC uh, Championship game. But there's just so many different factors. Like what we're seeing right now with the Bears is. Equivalent to what we saw with Jared Goff and the Rams when they signed Sean McVay as the head coach. Like, Matt Nagy is coming from an Andy Reid offense. Andy Reid has said that Matt Nagy is one of, if not, like, his best assistant quarterback coach, whatever the hell he was, that he's ever had on his team. Like, one of the smartest guys that he's ever had be in his group. And that, coming from Andy Reid, is a big... um, Oh, what's the word? Compliment. Big, big compliment, yes. And I think we're seeing that too. Like, the Bears have so many different weapons like that we didn't probably think about. Like, we knew what Allen Robinson was when he was in Jacksonville. But you also have Blake Bortles throwing the ball to him. <laughs> Who is the boat, though? Or, or the boat. <laughs> <laughs> but, and then the signing of Anthony Miller out of Memphis, he, since being healthy like the last four weeks... His his routes out of the slot and his catches that he makes are incredible. I think Trey Burton had a very down game on Thanksgiving, but, you know, he's young. He probably was suffering from the effects of Blackout Wednesday. Who's to say, really? <laughs> um, and then you have, I mean, Jordan Howard's kind of been pretty upsetting this year, but the thing is, he doesn't really fit this offense. Like, mm-hmm. he was never really a pass catcher. His... I mean, he's catching more passes this year than he was any other year, but there's still not a lot. And that's like, Tariq Cohen to the Bears is should be what Todd Gurley is to the Rams. And Tariq's so small, though. He is small, but we're trending in that direction so far over the last couple of weeks where Tariq's been more of a focal point than Jordan Reed. And then having Mitchell Trubisky have the ability Jordan to... Reed. Jordan Howard. Oh. Did I say Jordan Reed? Yeah. Well, Jordan Howard, you know. Yeah. Same person. Naturally. They suck. Um, <laughs> either way, Mitch Trubisky's ability to create plays, whether he gets pushed out of the pocket. I mean, he ha- he's leading the NFL or the quarterbacks in the NFL in rushing mm-hmm. right now. Never once did I think there would be a quarterback, as long as Cam Newton's in the league, 
that would do that, but this is what Trubisky's doing, which allows him to open up other plays throughout the rest of the offense. And like I said, just Matt Nagy is just way too smart of a coach and knows how to utilize personnel and take advantage of defensive breakdowns and just having um, Trubisky as well over the last year learn kind of how to read those defenses and then call different things at the line when he sees them has been a big improvement too. But also, the reason I think that the Bears can beat the Rams come, you know, the NFC Championship game most likely, I mean, we'll get a preview of this in a couple weeks, but um, is the defense. Like, the defense is top-notch. I mean, Baltimore's had a great defense this year, yes, but they don't have anyone on offense, so they can't really do much. But the Bears, on the other hand, there's just so many playmakers. Like, you got... Um, I can't think of any names right now. Cause... Khalil Mack, our best player? Yeah, yeah, you can start there. <laughs> we can start with Khalil Mack. I mean, the signing for him was just tremendous because you have offensive linemen that more often than not, you have to kind of double-team the man. Mm-hmm. I mean, what was that on Monday? He, he pushed down a... 340 yeah. pound man with his left hand yeah. and just I don't understand how that's possible like, like is he just stronger than all of them he's stronger than probably everyone else on the field at least that's what he looks like have you seen the size of his neck have you <laughs> no have you been looking at his neck yeah it's big <laughs> big neck I'm not sure what that means but and then you have Akeem Hicks who had an incredible game also on the fantasy day. team we yeah. got Darren Donald for him mm-hmm. yeah probably not a smart play but no, certainly not I mean just having Khalil Mack up front to create pressure on quarterbacks opens up more for other players on a defensive line to take advantage of, like Akeem Hicks. And then, I mean, Roquan Smith is coming into his own. Also on our fantasy team. Yes, started off kind of <laughs> slow, but that's because he missed basically the entire preseason. And he gets like season. 10 tackles per game. Yeah, I mean, he's insane. And if you want to talk about like actual statistics, which I do have pulled up. I would like that. Um, so, Football Outsiders. Incredible website for the stats nerd like myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have this statistic called uh, what is uh, DVOA, which is um, it measures basically uh, success rates and at all different parts of the field. So like it, say you have someone one running back that runs three yards and another running back that runs three yards. Which one was the more efficient and more effective run? You might think that it's the same, but depending on field position, depending on how close they are to getting a first down and stuff like that, it rates to everything. So it's pretty crazy. And Yeah, it's a better way to devalue defenses and offenses than just basic box score stats. I yes, think. exactly. Thank you. In layman's terms. Layman, um, <laughs> nice to meet you. <laughs> so talking about the Bears in regards to that, they are the third best passing defense and the first ranked rushing defense in terms of this DVOA. And so, overall, they give up almost 21% less efficiency to opposing offenses than any other team in the league does, which is absolutely insane to think about. Like, somehow Buffalo is ranked two, but that's because I guess they're on defense so much, I would say. Mm. So, I mean, you have more opportunities than that. But the Bears, however, there's just so much big play ability, not even just up front, but... Even like our cornerbacks and our stuff like that, like uh, I can't. Kyle Fuller, Eddie Jackson, both of them have what? Fuller has five interceptions so far this year. Eddie Jackson has four. Like 
That's absolutely insane. I, I, I mean, not just that. Since the start of last year, we just talked about this mm-hmm. before the podcast. Since the start of last year, Eddie Jackson has one less touchdown than Julio Jones does. <laughs> you know, that's absolute insanity. He's He was drafted in, what, the fourth round uh, of the draft? And that's because he doesn't have, you know, the speed of a conventional corner. When he was at Alabama, though, like... That was what they used him for, was his big playability. And that's what the Bears front office did, is they took a chance on someone that might not have the speed and stuff, but the man's a ball hawk. Like, he knows where to be on almost every play to break up passes, to intercept passes. It's just, there's just so many, like I just talked about, like you pay your best defensive players, but somehow the Bears have loaded up on stud defensive players without having to pay too much that I think that turns a game against the Rams more in their favor than, you know, than facing someone like if the Rams had to play the Patriots or something like that. That's my rant. <laughs> wow. Um, first of all, must I say that was incredible to listen to. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know. Do you, ha- do you must say that? Must you? <laughs> yeah, he's holding a gun to my head. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <clears throat> Real quick, we, we're going to move on to the Vikings because I know Seth yeah, has please. had too much of Bears talk, but I do just wanted to say... Uh, is uh, Mitch Trubisky good? At football or otherwise? Not at football, no. Oh, okay. In the bedroom. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't gotta tell you. I feel like, for me... Okay, so, he's obviously an elite runner for a quarterback. And he's obviously able to get out of sacks and create more time in the play. But I feel that he has trouble if he doesn't hit his first read. When he hits his first read, he's very accurate an excellent quarterback. He has some trouble. He's getting better at this, but definitely early on in the season he had a lot of trouble if, he, if his first read wasn't open. But that being said, he I've seen improvement over over the course of the season. He's missing less receivers. He used to overthrow like at least 12 receivers a game. But I just don't know if I can trust Mitchell Trubisky as my quarterback in the NFC Championship game or the Super Bowl, you know? So, do I think Mitchell Trubisky is good? Not a football cue in mind. The answer is no. <laughs> Mitchell Trubisky is fucking great. I knew he'd do that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had to go there. I mean, just like you said, just the growth, even just since the start of this season, he is a lot more confident when he's at the line. And I think a lot of that has to do with kind of the mindset that Matt Nagy has instilled. And it's more of a family. It's not just one player looking for a couple, one player or two players. There's four options Every single play. And now, over the last couple of weeks, he has been a lot more, I guess, like I said, confident in this guy's not open. He's not where he should be. Let's go to this option. Oh, he's not open. This option's open. And it's just like he's getting much quicker with those reads and he's not missing those throws nearly as much. And like I said, it's like the Jared Goff situation from two years ago when they got McVeigh, Like, we thought the same thing. Mm-hmm. But the things a good coach can do for a young quarterback yeah. is outstanding, honestly, in the NFL. Seth is an unbiased third party. Uh, is he good? <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're not talking about football, right? No, we never were. Um, I, I don't disagree with anything Kyle said. I think that... He definitely has the potential. He shows the talent and the raw skills. I could see him folding a little bit or 
not quite coming through to the extent that they would need in the playoffs against a good team like the Saints or the Rams. And I'd certainly be more comfortable if I had any of the quarterbacks on those teams. Um, but at the same team, at the same time, you could see him pulling out like, you know, a couple third and fifteen or third and goal from the fifteen and running it into the corner of the end zone to put them up by three. You know, towards the end of the game, like mm-hmm. I think those are all real possibilities. But it's definitely probably the, the Bears' biggest weakness at this point or yeah. uncertainty. Yeah. Um, all right, you can have your little. Time to talk about the Vikings, your little Vikings that you love so much. I just want to know why half of Kirk Cousins' passes get deflected or tipped. Does anyone know? That's astounding. It's honestly, it honestly takes some skill to do that. Yeah. I, I I mean, the Vikings, obviously, I was very disappointed in their showing against the Bears. Um, Bears completely shut down our running game, so we had nothing. It was like not even a threat that we were going to run. I think we had like 20 rushing yards the entire game. Mm-hmm. And then when you're getting so much pressure in the quarterback, when our offensive line couldn't contain Mack or Hicks, and even if they don't get a sack, half the time Cousins' passes are tipped, it's really hard to move the ball in offense if you can't run and only half of your passes are actually <laughs> in the air towards your receiver. <clears throat> and then the quarterbacks only have to do like a mediocre job at that point to to stop the Vikings on offense. So that was a tough game, but yeah, we're going to get to this later, but I think the Packers matchup is going to be key for them uh, on Sunday. I still think that they're going to get one of the wild card spots, but coming into this season as, I think, one of the Super not Super Bowl favorites necessarily, but Contenders. a popular pick for the Super Bowl. I think it's been a disappointing season. I think a lot of that's been on um, Kirk Cousins, which kind of trains, unless you want to say something, I'm going to go to the next segment. I just want to say, I don't think we should overlook the fact that the Bears beat all three of their NFC North competitors within a span of 12 days. That's not true. That is true. No, we didn't beat the Packers. Did we not? No, we beat the Lions twice. The Lions twice, yeah. Yeah. Either way. <laughs> three matchups in the <laughs> NFC North, 12 days, three wins. One dream. One dream. All right, so for our next segment, we're going to bring in a guest for the first time in the history of the podcast. Oh my God. Good friend, my roommate, Kevin Hupp, is going to call in. And by call in, I mean move from his chair two feet to the left of us onto the couch. Welcome, Kevin. Thank you. So we're going to discuss um, Alex Smith versus Case Keenum versus Kirk Cousins. One ring, three men, only one <laughs> leave alive. There's um, actually four men, one couch right now. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to discuss them because, uh, quite frankly, I heard them discuss this on the Bill Simmons podcast, and I stole a tray from them, so you're welcome. Thanks, uh, So let's, I just want to give a little background before we get into this. So all three of these quarterbacks moved teams last year, Alex Smith from the Chiefs to the 49ers, and by the 49ers, of course, I mean... What did I just say? <laughs> Where did he come from? No, he moved from the Chiefs to the Redskins. And then Case Keenum moved from the Vikings to the Broncos. And then Kirk Cousins moved from... Washington Jesus. to Minnesota. Yes, thank you. Uh, Kirk Cousins, let's go over their salary, shall we? Kirk Cousins, three years, $84 million. Case Keenum, two-year contract, $36 million. 
Alex Smith, four-year contract, $94 million. So they all move teams. Let's discuss who's better based on their salaries and what was a good move for which team. Kevin, you want to start us off? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, I think um, just based on the beginning of the season, I'm going to sit on the fence here. Mm-hmm. Bad move. But Please do. It's really hard to tell. Uh, I think you need at least a full year to evaluate the the real, I guess, value of a quarterback because, mm-hmm. you know, you look at, like, Alex Smith, and he went from a team like the Chiefs where he had Andy Reid coaching and running the offense. Yeah with wide receivers that he had to a team like the Redskins, mm-hmm. you know, where you have Gruden as a coach who is an offensive coach, but is obviously not as successful as Andy Reid over his career. Right. Uh, and you give him pretty much, you know, until they signed Adrian Peterson, like no running threat and no one to pass to. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, Alex Smith, I think is an extremely coachable quarterback. Yeah. But when you don't give him any tools to work with, uh, he's not really that good. Right. And he also doesn't have a leg now, so that's... <laughs> I was about to say. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really help him part of his leg sticking out of uh, the inside. The thing with Alex Smith is, like, he's a game manager, and that's mm-hmm. really what he is. He doesn't provide any electricity or any, you know, so like, jaw-dropping like, plug into plays. Alex Smith and charge my iPhone? <laughs> you could try it. I, mean, <laughs> I couldn't tell you definitively. I think that while Alex Smith might be pegged as a game manager he's been shown to be a winner maybe that's partly Andy Reid too but he's been shown to be a winner and I think a good leader maybe he's not a vocal leader or doesn't get really fired up like Kirk Cousins might but you like that exactly I do like that <laughs> so what about uh what about Case Keenum I have a very soft spot in my heart <laughs> if you reached inside my heart and felt around there's some firm areas and there's some soft spots and one of those soft spots is Occupied by Case Keenum after the Miracle Minneapolis mm. Case Keenum's throw to Stefan Diggs to send us to the NFC Championship game. And also, he was able to throw his passes past the defensive line <laughs> and not get him tipped every other play. So, I'm feeling... Um, I understand why the Vikings uh, wanted to let him go and, and bring in Kirk, and they felt like... Kirk was uh, a franchise quarterback, and Case was just kind of like did well with what we gave him, and was riding a hot streak and taking advantage of all the weapons, but not propelling the Vikings further. And I still believe that Kirk has the ability to do that, but at this point in the season, I'm feeling kind of regrettable about that decision. Although deep down, I still believe it'll it'll come through for us in the long term. Um, but right now, considering Alex Smith doesn't have a leg, I'd say Case Keenum is performing the best out of the three of those. Yeah, Kevin, what are, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I think I'm kind of impartial to Alex Smith. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I really like Andy Reid. Mm-hmm. So to see Alex Smith do really well for Andy Reid was just kind of solidified any positive feelings I had toward Alex Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's really... Case Keenum's really had kind of a tough career. Like, yeah, he was one of those kind of quarterbacks that was really great in college, and then just didn't have that much success in the NFL. Um, but sometimes those quarterbacks can come back and be really successful mm-hmm. toward the end of their career. I guess once they like, yeah, it's happened before. Definitely. Yeah, once they stay in a team and, and actually really learn the system, then right? They have a, a decent chance. Well, Case Keenum also coached by the scourge of Jeff Fisher, so that sets yeah, you back that in three years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's important to consider the coaches that. Yeah. Quarterbacks have. I mean, look at Jared Goff. Look at Mitch Trubisky. Like, 
you know, neither of them did that well. But then when they have good coaches, they are extremely successful, or at least working on it. You know. Yeah, I was I was actually pretty confused when this happened because, in my mind, Case Keenum is just as good as Kirk Cousins, and or certainly last year he was. I don't think that I expected Kirk Cousins to have a better year than Case Keenum had last year. When you say in your mind, do you mean like when you're dreaming about them, they perform <laughs> just as well, or? No, I mean when we're all three of us lying in bed at night. Oh, okay. I think to myself, boy, they're just they're about... about the same. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, that makes sense. So I mean, maybe Kirk Cousins does give a higher ceiling, but have we really seen his ceiling? I mean, uh, or even I've like... been in his house. It's a very <laughs> nice ceiling. I don't know you. if we've even seen well, a glimpse of it. I think he's like the anti Alex Smith. And... <laughs> For me, he's like the anti Alex Smith, where he's more talented than a game manager might be, but he hasn't proven to be a winner. And if you're trying to take your team from to that level of Super Bowl contender when you were so close last year. Uh, I don't know if that's the right quarterback to bring in. Kyle, you've been over there silent for a while. You want to come in? Yeah, I've been thinking what to say. It's like, I don't really know if I have any, like, feelings towards any three of them. Like, I, I don't, I think uh, Cousins is, like, the biggest, would be the biggest playmaker out of all three of them, like I said, Alex Smith, I feel like it's just a game manager. Um, Case Keenum had incredible weapons last year, and now he's in Denver with um, downgrades at pretty much every spot, except maybe, I don't know, you could possibly argue running back, like Philip Lindsay has been a big, you know, having an outbreak year for an undrafted rookie, but... Like, you have Emmanuel Sanders, who was playing really well to start the year, and he's kind of cooled off. Um, got rid of Demarius Thomas, who really wasn't doing anything anyways. Um, and then you got, um, what's his name? It's the other, uh, Cortland Sutton, who I think is going to end up being a really good wide receiver, but mm-hmm. he's a rookie. He's still raw. He's still learning the game, too. So, it's just, it sucks going from one place with incredible weapons at every position pretty much to a place with inferior weapons at every position and having the expectations on yourself to perform the same or better than you did the year before yep couldn't have said it better myself thank you you're welcome uh kevin before we go i want to take advantage of you being here and and by before we go i mean before you go and by you go i mean to the chair on the other side of the- <laughs> uh do you uh have any thoughts on mitchell t yeah he's gonna be the greatest of all time eventually maybe not right away but you know we'll i love it time. you heard it here first, first. oh my <laughs> god <laughs> all right well kevin go ahead sorry uh Okay. Well, Kevin, thank you for being our first ever guest. Thank you for having me. Is this uh, the first guest and the first time you guys have recorded this in the same place? Yes. Wow. Three men, one couch, four Four. four men. One apartment. One dream. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so... Thank you. Thanks for being on, Kevin. Go ahead and uh, (laughs) just stay here right next to us. (laughs) All right, so next, uh, quickly, I want to go over Thanksgiving games. Um, Any thoughts on any of these games? So the Bears beat the Lions... The Saints beat the Falcons, and the Cowboys beat the Redskins, correct? The Bears didn't just beat the Lions. The oh, Bears beat go. the Lions with <laughs> a backup quarterback. I mean, I guess you can argue the man has been in the NFL for since the be- the beginning of time, I'm pretty sure, <laughs> and is 
I think, top 50 in quarterback earnings and started two games prior to Thursday. Um, but he went out there and showed, like, in the case that Trubisky is out for longer than just a game, he can still control the offense. The only thing that kind of was interesting to me was seeing Nagy call the same plays that he would call for Trubisky where it required athletic ability to run. Uh, I don't think he realized that Chase Daniel isn't as fast or as quick or shifty as Trubisky, but he got it done. So, I, you know, that's like the biggest takeaway. Uh, it definitely makes it easier when, you know, you're a backup quarterback that comes in to teach a, a rookie or a second-year quarterback that hasn't been in the league that long, but you you're also coming from the same place your head coach is, was from. Like, he was in Kansas City with Nagy his entire career. So, like, he has a bond with Nagy. And, you know, I think that showed Nagy trusts him. That's why he brought him over. So, I think that's just like, you know, it's it's good as a Bears fan to be able to enjoy a win when your soon-to-be greatest of all time quarterback <laughs> sits out a game. Yeah, I don't want to talk more about the Bears because Kyrie went on time and ran about them. But uh, the Lions, they're, we think they're crossed off now. They're not going to make the playoffs, I presume. I never thought they were. Um, Remember when I said that maybe they're one of those frisky teams that aren't good to make the right, playoffs? You know? But you were wrong. Um, <laughs> and I was busy making three pies and mashed potatoes, so I hardly watched any of this game. Cool. Interesting. Uh, but Kenny Galladay's on my fantasy team, so I love him. <laughs> Kenny Galladay's going to be an animal. They call him yeah, he is. Babytron, yes. He's actually human. Uh, so, the second game, I just want to quickly touch on. Please. Should the Cowboys be the favorite for that division now, even though um, they're not that good at football, mostly? So, here's the thing with this. Uh, Amari Cooper. Amari Pooper. Please use his Christian name. a career day, and he shouldn't have. I watched that entire game. And his two touchdown receptions were mm-hmm. like his just missed tackles. Yeah, his yeah. cornerback one either slipped or yeah, I think there were the other one was his cornerback ran into his own teammate and just left Amari Cooper wide open. And if Dak Prescott can't make that throw, like that's just a you know you just have to be a competent quarterback to be able to make that throw to get Amari Cooper the ball and let him basically just outrun two other players. So yeah, I don't think we should overreact to the Amari Cooper thing. Like, I mean, he's certainly an improvement on what their wide receivers were before. So oh, yeah, that's true. This uh, this division is wide open. I mean, we have the Cowboys and the Redskins at six and five. We have the Eagles at four and six, still coming off their Super Bowl hangover. The Giants at three and seven with, um, I believe, a cardboard cutout of Eli Manning playing. <laughs> yes, and the Redskins have lost Alex Smith for the year. So I mean, is this I the would worst say division in the league. Yes, yes, it's got to be right. You're going to win this division with nine and seven, probably right, and it might be the Cowboys. They might even get nine wins, but yeah. <laughs> so I want to move on to the third game, the Saints and Falcons. Um, I didn't watch a second of this game, but <laughs> do we think the Saints are Super Bowl favorites? No, I think the Rams are the favorites, but I think this. I think it's a three-team tier. With the Saints, the Rams, mm-hmm. and Chiefs. I agree. <clears throat> and then you have got the people outside looking in, like the Bears, yeah. and Patriots. Mm-hmm. I mean, Patriots are never really on the outside looking in. But <clears throat> at this point, I would say, and maybe the Steelers as an outside shot. Yeah. And that's pretty much it, in my mind. Yeah, I think the Saints, um, 
I don't know. You can never count on Drew Brees. He's been playing unbelievable football this year. How old is he? Like thirty-five or thirty-six? I think thirty-eight or thirty-nine. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I would. They can hang with anyone in the playoffs, so I'd watch out for them. Like they just scored. How many points they scored the other day? I can't remember. They've been scoring forty points every week. It seems. Yeah, and last week, Thomas Ingram or. Camara, neither of them saw the end zone, and they still put. They up couldn't see points. the end zone. <laughs> they couldn't see it. They couldn't touch it. They had no clue where it was. They had like but it four didn't even players matter. who scored their first NFL touchdown. Yeah, it was wild. All right, I want to quickly also discuss the AFC South because there's another division that has kind of been back and forth. You have the Texans at seven and three now. So I said last time we talked that they had the least impressive six-game winning streak I've ever seen in my life. It is now the least impressive seven-game winning streak I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> then you have the Colts at 5-5, five and five, who you guys are bullish on, I would say. Love the, the Colts. The Titans at 5-5, five and five, and the Jaguars at 3-7. and seven. So uh, I must admit you guys were right about the Colts and the Jaguars. It looks like the Jaguars are out of the playoffs um, because maybe Blake Bortles is the uh, woat. Mm, too early to say. Too early to say. <laughs> is it Jaguars or Jaguars? What are the two things you just said? You said the same word twice. Jaguar, Jaguar. Jaguar, Jaguar. You said the same thing twice. <laughs> like G-A-G-W-I-R-E is how you're pronouncing it, kind of? That's one way. The Actually, other way is Jaguar. You just said it in like a little French accent. You didn't even change anything. <laughs> jaguar. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think the Colts are going to win the division. I said it. Really? Yeah. I I'm with you. I think a lot of people are kind of dismissing the fact, like... They think the Eagles are bad. How much of that has to do with the fact that Frank Reich's not there, and now all of a sudden he's in Indianapolis, mm-hmm. and look at what they're doing. It's it's kind of crazy. Like I, I told you the other day, I wasn't sure how much the, um, the Colts were going to win by against Tennessee. The only way they were going to do it was if T.Y. was coming out of the slot and had a big game, which is exactly what happened, which just gives me kind of faith that Frank Reich is... Um, you know, he's preparing for these games a lot better than some other coaches in the league would, knowing that these are the defensive um, players we have to go after, and that's exactly what we're going to do to win these games. And it's like Andrew Luck statistically is having like his best year that he's ever had when he's healthy. He's barely being touched when he's in the when he drops back or anything like that. Like when he has time, and we were talking about. However, a couple years ago when he was drafted, like he could be one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And I think he's quietly showing that he should still be in that conversation. And I don't think a lot of people are looking at looking at that. Yeah, I don't know. I'd be The Colts have definitely gotten better. They have a running game now with Marlon Mack back, who has been, I would say, better than expected. And their defense has been getting better with coming back from some injuries. Yep. Like ever since that Patriots game where they had barely enough mm-hmm. live bodies to play defense, um, but I still think that the the Texans have more talent, especially on the defensive end, and I would still pick them. But is JJ Watt on a decline? I certainly not on an incline. Well, I think the field they play on is flat. <laughs> I right? was going to say the same thing. <clears throat> I mean, who's better, JJ or TJ? It's got to be TJ at this point, right? I think so. I guess I might not. Neither here nor well, there. they have Javian too, and I don't know. I, I still in Deshaun I trust since he's on both my fantasy teams, so I have to. I basically have Stockholm syndrome with Deshaun Watson. <laughs> <laughs> what about the Titans? We don't think they could get Frisky near the end of the year. And by Frisky, that's of course the word I use for teams that aren't good. Uh, in that case, yes, they could. 
Nah, I, I have no confidence in the Titans doing anything. Me neither. It's Other just... than putting a, a team on the field and playing football. But <laughs> that they can do I think that, you know, we've talked about a lot about the, the new NFL and these offenses, uh, and you just need a really good quarterback and a really good offense to win, and the Colts certainly have that in Andrew Luck, and they have an elite offense, whereas you look at some team like the Titans where they have Marcus Mariota, who is disappointed, and maybe a really good defense, or at least a very good defense, and they're well coached, but it just might not be enough with Marcus Mariota as your quarterback. He just can't stay healthy either. Like, when healthy... He still he's, lasts. No, he's a good quarterback <laughs> when he's healthy, but he's he fine, literally can't I mean. stay healthy for longer than an, an entire football game. Remember when he threw a pass to himself in the playoffs last year? That, that was wild, pissed huh? pissed me off. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the last segment before we... Go and by go, I mean still consider, continue sitting on this couch. Uh, I want to preview some of the games this weekend. We have a couple good ones. Um, if I can just get to them, which I won't. Somehow, both of these <laughs> Seth's uh, ruined my tabs. Okay, you're definitely talking about the I've been bamboozled. Game? <laughs> yes, so I want to talk about Panthers and Seahawks first because could this be a game where the loser is out of the playoffs or the winner kind of gets into the driver's seat for the wild card? Both these teams are the Seahawks are five and five, and the Panthers are six and four. And their competition for the wild card is what the Packers and the Vikings, right? You know how much it is the Packers, but yeah, yeah. Well, you know how much I love Russell Wilson. He's my one true love now that LeBron's on the Lakers. Naturally, however, let me tell you, Saquon Barkley and I had a wild ride of him courting me this season. So, um. I love the Seahawks. I feel like the Panthers have been very up and down this year. Mm-hmm. And you never really... That's how they always are in life. Yeah. yeah. It's like it's something about the volatility of having Cam as your quarterback. Yeah. But yeah, certainly it's kind of now or never for both of these teams. I'd right. say to make a run into the into the playoffs. So yeah. it should be a nice matchup. And, and two mobile quarterbacks and exciting offenses. Yeah. And similarly, I'll just bring it up now. I mean... It's happening with the Vikings and Packers game this weekend, too. That's probably a, a game where the loser is not in a good position for the playoffs. Maybe the Packers already aren't, but... Yeah, I will be a downright despondent if the Vikings lose Sunday night. So. I will be cheering hardcore for the Packers this weekend. I don't think the Packers are good. I've said it before. And I think that they're going to lose this game and not make the playoffs. They do have three of the greatest... They do have the best names of any wide receiver core in the... In the league, though, I mean Geronimo Allison, Marquez Valdez Scantling, and Equinemius St. Brown. Marquez Valdez Scantling has three middle names. Wow! Yeah, I said it. Scantling. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not forget about Randall Corn of the Cobb Cobb. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the corpse of. <laughs> you just call Randall Cobb a corpse? Yeah, he's yeah. fine, right? He's old. He almost got dropped before the season started. Yeah, that's true. They don't even want him on the team. They're they're just playing him just because he's still there. And he's barely, he's not even getting as much playing time anymore because Valdez Gambling has proven that he's still kind of raw, but he has the ability to exceed, at, even at this level of his career, Randall Cobb's game. Does anyone know anyone with a middle name of Marquez or Valdez or Scantling? <laughs> no, but I certainly don't know anyone with the first name of those or last name. Marcus so. Colston. But it's not Marquez. It was Marquise. It was, it was, a, it was a Q, though. Yeah. It just not the acid. 
It was S at the end instead of Z. What about Valdez or Scantling? There, Valdez is like a pretty common. This is basically it's just basically the most common name I've ever heard. Actually, now that I think about it. <laughs> Needless to say, he's got three middle names. <laughs> so if you guys were to have to um, predict, because you do have to predict right now on the spot, who is going to make the two wild cards in the NFC? Who would you say? Obviously, the Vikings. Actually, and the Seahawks. Like I said last time, you asked me. <laughs> Good. I'm glad you haven't wavered. Because not because nothing has changed since then, just because my opinions are uh, set in stone, and I will never. No amount of truth could possibly dissuade me. Kyle, what do you think? I think it stays at what it is now with Carolina and Minnesota. Wow. What? Same. Shocking take. <laughs> I think the same as well. I just don't think the Seahawks have a good enough team around Russell to, and they certainly aren't the. Uh, the defense of old. What they used to call them? The Legion of Boom? But now it's the Legion of Whom, am I right? Hey. <laughs> Anywho, uh, before we sign off, Any I wanted whom. to... <laughs> nice, dude. Thanks. I wanted to ask you guys if your Super Bowl prediction has changed at all. I think... Did me and you both say Rams-Chiefs? Yeah. And what'd you say? Rams-Vikings or something? I said Vikings-Chiefs. Rams-Vikings would be pretty tough. <laughs> Since they're in the same division? <laughs> yeah. And by division, I mean conference? Right. Um, remember how I was talking about how my opinions are set in stone and no amount of truth could dissuade them? No, I don't remember that. Okay, it was about two minutes ago. <laughs> and uh, that being said, I do not think the Vikings are making the Super Bowl. <laughs> the man has no principles. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I mean, like I said, Saints and Rams are in a tier by themselves in the NFC. So I would be shocked if it wasn't one of those teams. And that includes the Bears and the Vikings. But, you know... If there's one thing the Vikings do, it is toying with my heart. So maybe they'll make a run in the playoffs just long enough for me to get my hopes up before they crush them mercilessly. Yeah, I think, um, so I picked Rams Chiefs earlier, and, you know, when you pick two teams, they play each other, and the score is 54-51. Your hands are tied, all right? (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going with the same pick, and I think uh, I'll take the Rams to win, please. Thank you. You're welcome. I know Chiefs? he's going to say Bears. <laughs> Lock. Lock them up for the Super Bowl. What about the Steelers or the, or the Patriots? We don't think they have any chance? The Patriots, I think we're seeing them fade. Uh, you can't get many more productive years out of Tom Brady. I think we're seeing kind of a decline of it now. And Bill Belichick is running the same offense he was 15 years ago. And that just doesn't fly in the NFL anymore like we talked about. And um, I, th- I think the Chiefs are just too good of a football team. I mean, the Patriots already beat the Chiefs. So yeah, that's they fine. can do it. They can do it. Yeah, but also that was how many weeks ago? Several. Yeah, exactly. And Mahomes is getting a lot more equate, equated with the the system and acquainted, acquainted. <laughs> sure. However, that's <laughs> but I've been beating this drum for a while now. Like it's a dead horse. <laughs> Give me the Bears in the NFC. To make it to the Super Bowl. You heard it here first, folks. And the only way I think this really happens is if the um, Rams and the Saints have to play each other. Because if the Bears somehow end up having to play both of them, I don't think it happens. But Not twice, early lighting doesn't strike twice, they say. Yeah, exactly. All right, well, this has been another edition of Sportball with Squam, Stogan, Skulldog. Any final thoughts, boys? You always ask me that. I never have any final thoughts. Do you have, any, do you have any first thoughts, then? Well, I already said them I earlier see. in the podcast. <laughs> cool, but <man. laughs> this has been another edition of the podcast that no one wanted, no one deserved, and no one asked for. 
Yep, we'd like to say goodbye to our five listeners. Thanks for hanging with us. Thicky Rubio out. <laughs> Peace. I didn't get it.